15 minutes before the hour here on the Dread at Large radio show. And one of the things that uh, we... <laughs> I missed your message, Mike. But one of the things that I was talking to uh, Bob O'Sullivan about during the break, he did. We, we had to hit the break. We were just way over. And I need to get James Patrick Riley in here because he gets up at O-Dark 30 out there in California IA to be with us. Uh, but he said the reason why he wants him to go through drug court for that 30, 60, or 90 days is he says uh, when, he get, when they're done, he does not want them to have a criminal record. So it would not, be, it would not show up as a... Uh, so that, that's part of the overall plan. No criminal record by the time they're done. All right. With that, James Patrick Riley joins us. He is uh, from a, a little outfit known as Courage, New Hampshire, a fictional pre-revolutionary colonial town here in the Granite State uh, that really puts meat on the bones of the issues that the colonists were facing uh, in the early 1770s at, that led to revolution. It's a fascinating look at history told uh, through the stories of the lives of the people of Courage, which is really, uh, is it Chesterfield, James? Well, loosely, yes. Loosely, uh, that, yes. It, we, all those little towns on the on the uh, Connecticut River and uh, frontier area of New Hampshire yeah. at that time. Where, where your ancestors actually hail from. And you can learn more at ColonyBay.tv. That's ColonyBay.tv, where you can watch the whole television series. I'm breathlessly awaiting the new installments, by the way. Uh, and get a whole lot of other historical tidbits. It's a fascinating look back in time. And uh, you'll see a lot of the issues they dealt with then aren't so different from what we deal are now, but the answers sure as hell were. Good morning, James. Good morning, Rich. Well, in the spirit of what you just said about issues then, issues now, you know, um, if you can recall, you know, when they had the major financial crisis of 2000, 2008, um, credit dried up and, you know, it was very difficult for small businesses to get any kind of you know, receivables, lending, and and basic credit was drying up all over the place. Difficult to get house financing, mm-hmm. and um, at um, you know in the summer of '73, fall of '73, uh, if you've been following this segment on, uh, if your listeners have been following the segment, we're talking about a lot of counterfeiting that went on in New England because there was just this major shortage of cash, and so this little notice appears um, to Mr. Fowl, the publisher of the New Hampshire Gazette. In the late summer of 1773, he says, as it appears by your last week paper, the act of parliament of passing leave to make a paper currency, it is hoped and expected by people in general that our general assembly in session uh, will take it under their serious consideration for under the present distressed circumstances of the province for the want of currency, everyone complains, but those few interested persons who have made their fortunes uh, during the last paper currency and are now against it for no other reason but that the present scarcity of cash enables them to purchase the estates and the necessity price. So there were there was a shortage of cash and it was allowing some people who had benefited from the last printing of paper currency to use that strength to buy estates uh, at half their price. So there's always um seems to be there's always an argument about um, the the value of uh, uh, basically, um, making transactions easier, and I think that this is, I think is the, by far the, one of the most fascinating economic um, uh, studies versus ours is that very difficult to make any kind of purchase in the 18th century. Wait till you had something you could uh, trade for something. Uh, James, you're cutting out. James, James, I, uh-huh. I, can you check your connection because you're you're cutting out. It's oh, almost, okay. I'm it's almost sorry. like you're clipping. Uh, any better? I don't know. Do you have a lot open on your browser that might be soaking up your bandwidth? No. 
Nope. It, okay. It's um, it's uh, pretty much this is. Um, well, we'll let it ride uh, and see if it happens again. All right. Well, as I was, I was saying, that um, made it very difficult to make purchases. Now, you know, you can go to Amazon and click one button, and the product's on your doorstep the next day. And with this debate about Bitcoin and different kinds of virtual currencies, I think it economy in ways that we're not even aware. I mean, we 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 basically now I think trade in debt, and back then cash was kind of a form of debt in that. Uh, he had, to, he had to trust that the colony was going to be able to back up that currency. So, anyway, interesting economic news. Also, um, there was a it, there was a show we used to watch here. It was about a guy. It was on the Food Channel about a guy who would go and basically gorge himself at different restaurants around the country. I can't remember what it was called, but uh, I found an 18th century instance of this a few days ago. An inhabitant of Bridgetown in East New Jersey. Ate at a public house in New York, seven pounds of beef roasted, three loaves of bread, near half a peck of potatoes, and drank cider in proportion to the meal. So that uh, was about eight pounds of tobato, uh, potatoes, seven pounds of beef, and three loaves of bread. Hmm. 18th century gluttony. In the t- hmm. um, so, um, and then I, I always like these stories too, this weather story. Can you hear me by the now? By the way, Rich. Yeah, it's it's been a little better. Well, um, one of the the, um, the great scams of our time is that the climate change people have convinced us that we're witnessing unusual weather. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, that's really kind of funny because this is a planet where I stand now is under a mile of ice. How many ever millions of years ago? And somehow, without SUVs and cow farts, the place warmed up. <laughs> well, it, it and then. When you read the history of uh, Western civilization you, and w- with respect to weather, it's almost surprising we can live on this planet because she's so uh, hard on us. This is a story from Charleston, South Carolina, August of 1773. For several weeks past and even the middle of last, we had suffered the most gloomy apprehensions of a general loss of grain and roots. In short, almost every vegetable throughout this great province uh, supplies, that supplies so many others. The great drought in the year 1750, which was succeeded by two terrible hurricanes in the month of September, was not so alarming as the prospect here a week ago. The want of water had not been equaled in the memory of man living. In some parts of this country, abundance of cattle had perished for want of water. In many plantations, the people had been obliged to dig for it, even and set guards over it that it might not be wasted. And others to drive their creatures three miles to drink. The leaves had fallen from the trees as in autumn, and the plants and grass in many places are so dried that they are to this day in unextinguished fires, so fires spreading across the country. Hell holes before known to be dry had been continually burning for some time. Travelers on the roads could not procure water for their horses, nor um, uh, the necessary supply for cattle. Many mills had been stopped working, and large quantities of flour and corn were prevented from being brought down by the lowness of the Santee River. And here in town, mills had failed to yield their supplies for the common use of families. Never were the people in dejected. But since um, Thursday, it hath pleased the Almighty to change the prospect greatly. Abundant showers have fallen, and they have been so general that we may now almost flatter ourselves 
the great crop of rice, which has been planted at least, may be saved. So this is a, a general um, alarm, a lack of vegetables, a lack of um, pasture for cattle in a, in a colony that had supplied food for uh, many of the colonies around it. And, and they, they talk about this being a um, a be remembered by the oldest of men in the colony. And I think that whenever we hear these stories about weather now, we're, we're, we're almost invited to, to believe that this has never happened before or that people haven't endured droughts and famines and fires. California, the whole state's on fire right now. Some of it apparently um, due to, um, you know, uh, terrorism. So um, uh, when this kind of weather happens, people take advantage of it. And um, it's it's as old as the earth. Hmm. Well, the earth is kind of old. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, um, I, I think that um, we, you can't help witnessing this, uh, the kind of hurricanes that we've witnessed and the kind of calamity it brings and think, well, maybe there is something to this argument that, uh, that we're doing somehow doing something to the planet, but the planet has been an absolute beast to us for the last 6,000 years. So um, uh, it's a miracle that we can, we can, we can actually endure it. Um, I had uh, another story here. This is a, an awful... Uh, instance of um, a terrible uh, accident that occurs during the building house, uh, and this is in, in New Hampshire. Um, uh, a large company was collected there to raise a meeting house. This is New Ipswich, and they got up the body and joists, and on these had laid a large quantity of boards for the more convenient standing. They had also raised part, in doing which they had occasion for a number of crowbars and axes, which rested on the building while the people got together. And we're in the act of raising another double pair of principles with a king post. One of a sudden, the under them broke, the mortise in the middle, by which upwards of 50 persons fell to the bottom of the house with the timbers, bars, axes, and exhibit a scene to the astonished spectators around the house, for there were no persons in the bottom of it, uh, all of having withdrawn through fear of what might happen, which can't be described and can only be equaled by the blood and brains, shrieks and groans of the dead and wounded, which were immediately seen and heard. Three were killed outright, another survived but a short time, and several others have died of their wounds. Of 53 that fell, not one escaped without broken bones and mm-hmm. terrible bruises. That's so mighty macabre. So of a meeting house was a very dangerous thing in New England. I keep reading about these things over and over again. And I, I've, I've built one or two post and beam houses up. And whenever we get up on that um, second level, I, I think about these accounts, and I'm kind of glad that we actually used uh, a forklift on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just it was a very dangerous time. I mean, um, things do get better. That's one thing I think we can learn from history is that it, things are the conditions of life are getting better. Oh well, yeah, and you know what? It almost seems like the more they get better, the more they get worse. It's almost like people have to try to manufacture adversity. So they have some obstacle that uh, they either uh, can overcome in life or uh, have as an excuse for why they, you know, they can't achieve or go on and do whatever it is they want or have what they want or blah, blah, blah. Well, the, you know, the Luddite thing has been with us always. I mean, the, 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 the uh, kind of impact that new technology has on people's jobs existed. But in the long run, our lives are much better for having incredibly cheap textiles. I mean... Mm-hmm. Uh, ample food, heating and air. I mean, 
I, I get very annoyed. Don't want to move forward. And I'm a guy who likes to present the 18th century in part to show them how much we've, we've learned. Indeed. James Patrick Riley, as always, good to have you in the house, my friend. Thanks, Rich. All right. Hope things are well out there on the left coast. We're going to take a quick check, final check for traffic, weather, and sports. We'll be back with a preview of Monday's show. And next week, you won't want to miss this. Stay with us. All right. On Monday, we start what we're going to call Debate Week here on the Drought Large Radio Show, as we will be hosting a debate in the big race for aldermen in Manchester Ward 3 featuring incumbent Patrick Long and challenger Tim Baines. Yes, indeed. That will occupy our 8 o'clock hour. Steve McDonald joins us for No Safe Spaces. Ava's in for the ins and outs of immigration. Kimberly Morin joins us for Politically Buzzed. Then on Tuesday, mark your calendars as another big race between Alderman Barbara Shaw and former Fire Chief James Burkish in Manchester Ward 9 takes place. On Wednesday, the debate week continues as we will be on site for the Greater Manchester Chamber of Commerce debate between Mayor Ted Gatsis and Joyce Craig. That and oh, so much more. For the entire team here at Trot at Large, I am your ever humble host, Rich Gerard. Thanks for tuning in. Until tomorrow, until Monday, be good, be well. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. We're proud to have in the audience. Thanks for being there. Please remember our sponsors. Give them the first opportunity to earn your business and let them know you heard about them on Trot at Large. It matters. Have a great weekend, everyone. Remember, politicians will be out knocking on doors. Be nice. They are away from their families.